Dear friends in Christ, at Jesus' time, the marriage of a couple was finalized with a great celebration, a wedding party. You can probably picture the scene. Friends and family gathered to celebrate with the couple. The bride and the groom would supply the food and the drink, which was kind of a big deal because these celebrations (coughs) could go on for days. How terrible it would be to run out of food and wine. The hosts would feel guilty for miscalculating. The people would be disappointed. And the bride and the groom would be embarrassed because of their mistake. And what at first was joyful would become tainted and less fun. And the impact and the memory of that day would stick with the bride and the groom and for all their guests. That may seem a, a little overly dramatic, but, but that actually, that was their culture. <laughs> you can probably picture this scene. Adam and Eve, having been joined in marriage by God himself, were enjoying their perfection and the, the perfection of the world that was around them, full of wonderful things that God had put there for them to enjoy. There were beautiful plants and trees and flowers, interesting animals to to observe and to interact with. There were things to manage there in the garden in God's amazing creation. God loved this couple that he created, and he had given them so much to enjoy. But they they miscalculated. They thought that they could enjoy all of those things even more if they were like God, if they knew good and evil. And so they listened to the lie of Satan. They ate fruit from the tree that God had told them not to eat from. Of course, afterward, they felt terrible and were unhappy and were even embarrassed before their Creator. Their existence in this world was at first joyful, but they and all of it were then tainted. And the impact and the memory of that day was going to stick with them and with everyone after them. A wedding just a handful of miles uh, down the road from Jesus' hometown brought Jesus, his mom, his brothers, his disciples, (coughs) the first disciples, uh, there to celebrate with a happy couple. It took place just a few days after John the Baptist had pointed out to a crowd that that Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, the sins that, that entered the world through that first couple, Adam and Eve. That day followed Jesus' baptism and then the 40 days that Jesus was in the desert being tempted by Satan. That timing is important Uh, as we think about this account, because it means that Jesus had really just begun his public ministry, which helps to explain his response to his mother, which we'll get to later. Today we get to consider the first recorded miracle of Jesus. And as we do so, we can't help but notice that God delivers more than we ask for. We might be tempted by the idea that following God 
means that we will have less pleasure and less joy as we live in this world, or that at least we should expect that to be the case. If so, we've been looking at this all wrong. Because the fact is, Jesus brings joy and pleasure to life. Imagine a, <coughs> a big, glossy, colorful balloon floating in the air, happily uh, going, drifting here and there, wherever it wanted to. What a good life that is. Especially if that life, if that balloon represents a, a life, a person making their way through this world. Now imagine the, the knot on that balloon that, that keeps it closed coming undone and all of the helium gushing out and the, the beautiful full balloon then making a, an unflattering noise as it uh, becomes a pathetic pile. Then there is no dancing on the wind. There is no looking over God's beautiful world. There is no seeing the happy uh, faces of people looking up at you. Now it can do nothing fun at all. That's what some people think that life <clears throat> is like for those who trust in God and who live according to what the Bible says. That, that all of the fun is sucked out of life. That following God means limiting joy and pleasure in this world. That, that Christians have to give up all the good things in hopes of having the good things later in heaven. <clears throat> but all of that isn't true. And the words about Jesus before us today help us to understand this. What's the first thing that Jesus is doing as he begins to publicly reveal himself as the Savior of the world? He's attending a party. He's celebrating with friends and family one of the most important and fun life events. Plenty of good food and drink, conversation and laughter. Jesus' presence there at the, at the wedding made uh, a joyful occasion even more enjoyable. The situation that arose that threatened to bring the wedding and its joy to a screeching halt was the potential of running out of wine. Running out of food or wine at the party would do that. <clears throat> so in steps mom, Jesus' mom, Mary. <clears throat> and she asked Jesus for his help. Well, she didn't really ask. But she didn't really not ask either. They have no more wine was really presenting an expectation to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you was doing the same thing as she talked to the servers at the wedding. <clears throat> Apologize for that this morning. Kind of a funny response by Jesus then, isn't it? Woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My time has not come yet. See, the trouble was <coughs> Mary knew who her son was 
and she knew he had the power to help out. But she didn't know his divine schedule for uncovering who he was. The time for unveiling everything about himself had not come yet. But Jesus did offer a glimpse of his glory, of who he was to a few that day. At least mom and the servants knew what Jesus had done. And what he had done was save the celebration. Jesus prevented uh, embarrassment for the bride and the groom. He made it so that the party could continue, so that, so that people could be happy. And he delivered in an over-the-top kind of way. Those were the big stone jars. They were the kind that you, you put a ladle in and scooped out of. They were not the kind that you poured from. And they were filled higher than what was normal. Jesus instantly made what was probably about a thousand bottles of wine. So much wine. And amazing, too. You heard the banquet manager's reaction. Our lesson from Ephesians this morning (coughs) says that God is working to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus showed that kind of love, that kind of power here. Not merely to put his impressive, miraculous power on display, but to bring joy and pleasure to the people that were gathered at that wedding in Cana. Christians who gather here for worship have on their minds, first and foremost, what Jesus did, has done for them spiritually. Today we're hearing about the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, but we know what the end of his earthly ministry was like. We know what it was like when his time did come. We know what happened between uh, this, the time between this first miracle and the miracle of his resurrection. We know about that perfect life lived then. We know about his willingness to suffer for us. We know about his death on the cross to pay for our sins. We witness our Savior going above and beyond, showing a love that is so excessive that we have trouble comprehending how, how wide and long and high and deep his love is. Jesus stepped into this newly married couple's life and he made a difference in their earthly life. As he did so, he uncovered himself as the Son of God with this out-of-this-world power and love. He does this for us too. We have seen his power and love through his word. We have seen it in the waters of baptism. We have seen it in the Lord's Supper. We've also seen it in the everyday things that he provides for our joy and for our pleasure. (coughs) We have a Savior who has blessed us with the, the things that ought to bring us the greatest joy, our forgiveness and for our salvation. He's also the one who blesses us with everything that we need in this life, and even more. Often, more than we would ever ask for or ever imagine. 
And so we see Christ in his hand of blessing in everyday things where worldly people see their hard work or luck or karma or coincidence or maybe nothing at all. But because we have sinful hearts and minds that can easily get off track, Jesus is also the one who gives us the warning that we are not to love and live for the things in this world. And that we're not to set our minds on earthly things, but on things above. We know that temptation. And we probably remember sinning by focusing on things in this world. So we often remember these warnings of Jesus too. And we might, we might shy away from the idea that, that Jesus gives us things in this life with the intention that they bring us joy and pleasure. While we should rightly repent of falling in love with earthly things to the detriment of our our love for God, it is okay to be happy about the things that God gives us in this life. Maybe it helps to see Jesus here providing abundant and amazing wine for a celebration. And then you look back in the Psalms and you hear that God provides wine that makes people's hearts glad. Jesus talked about observing the beauty of the flowers of the field. The Apostle Paul, as he served Jesus, expressed great joy over people. The Philippians maybe come to mind. God fills our lives with all sorts of good things. Good things, good people, And those are there for us to enjoy. And this is on a whole different level than for people who don't have God in their lives. Our joy and our pleasure over life in this world is only enhanced by knowing Christ, who gives us so many good things. (laughs) Recognizing his blessings to us brings joy to our hearts. It brings praise from our lips. This is the opposite of the idea that there is less joy and less pleasure for Christians living in this world. Many have been looking at this all wrong. And maybe we have too. It's possible for us to have a heavenly focus even while enjoying God's gifts in this life. Remember, Jesus had just set out on a very focused three-year mission to the cross. And yet, he was enjoying the blessings of food and drink and people, family and friends and fun at a wedding. We pray that... Jesus' presence and his miracle at Cana will help us to remember our enjoyment of life can be pleasing to God who gives us all things. We pray also that we are able to set aside the idea that a life of following God is somehow boring or somehow less than what life would be without him. Amen.